Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle, standing in for our host, Kathy Sheridan. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever app you listen to the podcast on. And you can always find us on irishtimes.com. If you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook. It's at IT Women's Podcast, or you can email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. Also, if you like the podcast, why don't you head along to iTunes, give us a review, and tell all your friends about it. Before we get on with the episode, we just wanted to remind you that the Women's Podcast is partnering with Body and Soul Festival, Ireland's most beautiful festival. It's filled with three days of music, art, culture and well-being. It takes place on the summer solstice weekend, that's June 22nd to the 24th, in Ballinlock Castle in County Westmeath. And this year's edition includes Fever Ray... Chronics, Arca, John Hopkins, who's playing live, Iron and Wine, Baxter Jury and James Holden and the Animal Spirits. Head to bodyandsoul.ie to pick up a final tier ticket and be sure to check out the Irish Times programme on the Woodland Stage taking place on the Saturday afternoon. There are really brilliant talks planned for Saturday, including a live recording of the women's podcast, and that's called The People Have Spoken. And that's going to discuss life in Ireland post-referendum, and that is going to be a really, really excellent discussion. So if you're down there, make sure you don't miss it. Today's episode is the perfect accompaniment to your bank holiday Monday. We've reconvened our excellent book club. Hopefully you will have seen us tweeting in recent weeks about the book we're going to be discussing today. It's called Lullaby and it's an English translation of a book by French writer Lila Slimani. It's a tense, deftly written novel about an apparently perfect nanny's transition into a monster and I think it will take your breath away if you've read it. You'll know what I mean. As always, I was joined by Irish Times journalists and book club stalwarts Bernice Harrison and Neve Towie for this episode. The book we are discussing today is Lullaby by Leela Slimani and we have three quarters of our book club here today because my mother Anne Ingle unfortunately in a continuing saga with her eyes can't actually read books anymore because she has macular degeneration which was very depressing but that's for another day but she would be happy to stay in the book club for audiobooks but unfortunately there is no audio version of Lullaby but um, she'll be back when we uh, have our next book which hopefully will be in audio form. So let me tell you a little bit about the book before we start the conversation. When Miriam, a brilliant French Moroccan lawyer, decides to return to work, she and her husband are forced to look for the perfect caretaker for their two young children. They never dreamed they would find Louise, a quiet, polite and devoted woman who sings to their children, cleans the family's chic apartment in Paris's upscale 10th arrondissement, stays late without complaint and hosts enviable birthday parties. The couple and their nanny become more and more dependent on each other and as jealousy, resentment and suspicions increase, Miriam and Paul's idyllic tableau is shattered. Lullaby is a compulsive, riveting and bravely observed exploration of power, class, race, domesticity and motherhood and it's the English language debut of an immensely talented writer. So, Bernice Harrison, Lullaby. Um, 
I'll just say a very disquieting read and then I'll take it to you. Well, I did pick it and I broke some book club rules because I think in the normal book club, club, you're all supposed to read the book at the same time. But by the time you asked me to choose a book, I had just finished this. And it is Lullaby is one of the most disquieting, upsetting reads that you read. It is so intriguing. It starts, and of course, this will immediately turn loads of people off, and I do understand that. It starts at the, at the very beginning, you know, this woman has killed a child, maybe two. And that is so horrific, and that that sort of, obviously, that clouds everything in the book. That that You're starting from that point of view. So in a sense, in a sense, it's a why done it. It's not a who done it. It's a why done it. It's why this nanny, who was perfect, she was Mary Poppins on steroids. Why did she do this to these two small children in her care, who she clearly, we feel, loved? And she didn't just love them, she loved everything. She loved the family, she loved the new life she was living. So that's one thread in the book. And I suppose that's why this book is so fascinating, because that is just one thread. It also explores really deeply motherhood, the motherhood of young children. Because the 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 woman in this, Miriam, she is bored. She's out of she's her out tree, of her head. And it, it, that then explores the dynamics, but the changing dynamics in a relationship between a couple when children come along because she is married to a lovely man. They're a young couple in their early 30s. They seem to have absolutely everything. He's forging his career. She's trained as a lawyer where we get to feel that you know, she was kind of top of her class. She was the woman. But they have two children, so they make that pragmatic decision. She's going to stay at home with the children. And she is just bored out of her head. And this is the, the sort of the, the way Slimani describes it. She gave the baby a bath and thought to herself that this happiness, this simple, silent, prison-like happiness was not enough to console her. Now, who has not felt the exact same bathing a small child? Well, I don't know about you, Louise. I've never felt anything like that okay, with my two. Okay, your pants two. are on fire. Now, um, so, so there is that. So she's exploring that and that prompts her to, to, to think, oh, hold on a second, I need to go out and I need to, I need to try to get me back. I need to find me again. I need to get me back. And it's almost a very militant feeling that she has. Yeah. It's, it's almost a bit like... It's, oh, it is. We like, all know yes. those moments, but yes. she really oh, yeah. wants to not yeah. get rid of the kids, but she, she wants just to hand them over to someone. She, completely. Yeah. And that's what prompts this nanny. But there's also race. Race is fascinating, really subtly explored in this mm. because, of course, while it's not hammered home, um, the, the, the nanny, Louise, is white and the, the, the mum is not. She is Moroccan. Um, and that is subtly explored, but very subtle. But, but when you become aware of it, the power of it is extraordinary. So, and Louise is on the slide. Louise now lives in a neighbourhood that is, is full of immigrants. And so, in other words, so, that, so the writer is charting the change in demographics, the change in social status, of the, in demographics in Paris, and the change in social status between these two women. And what's really interesting is how swiftly uh, this nanny becomes embedded in that family. Like, you know, she's she's so good that suddenly she's making dinner part, you know, the food for their dinner party. She's sleeping on the couch. She's literally there mm. from morning mm. to the evening. And, you know, it's painted as this sort of dream scenario and they boast about her to their friends. But like as a reader, you're thinking this, mm. this is something not and quite right about dropped. this. And hints are dropped. Hints are dropped. So there's two ones that are particularly chilling. Um, 
One is that she's playing hide and seek with the two oh, children. Yeah. You think, oh, that's oh. gorgeous. She's playing hide. And she's presented as this amazing nanny who entertains the children with these inventive skates. But she hides so successfully the children become upset. They're really, they can't find her in the apartment. And she's so, the children are so upset and she's kind of relishing and She that. sits in the hiding place yeah. kind of watching, watching them, them as they get distressed. More and more distressed. So that's not good. And that's the big red flag. <laughs> the second one is this case of the chicken. So, and because that then shows, that sort of explores Miriam's, uh, the, the nanny Louise's growing well, tell us about the chicken. Really of Miriam. So, so she comes in one day, and at this point, she's letting herself really early into the apartment. She comes up and there's a chicken in the bin, and she thinks that this is outrageously wasteful of her employer. And she picks the chicken out of the bin. She puts it on the table, and she makes the children eat it with their hands. And that's sort of a very visceral kind of thing. And it's so horrible. And you're wondering, but because also, so. We we've been come to see that she's feeding the children these gorgeous meals. She feeds every so this nurturing thing, and that is nurturing thrown on its head, feeding thrown on its head mm. as a really nasty, controlling, hateful kind of thing. Mm. So so for all those reasons, I adored this. Book. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say. I adored it. Um, it's uh, like, but it's hard. It's a hard read. I have to say, I'm just the headspace I'm in at the moment. I think another time I, I would have very maybe enjoyed it more. It's so skillful. Mm. It's so about the domestic details, about the relationships, the husband and wife, you know, employer, employee, all those relationships are so well drawn. Mm. But I have to say, I, I kind of, I could see how you could sit and read it all in one go yes. if you were in the right headspace. Yeah. But I kind of was reading a little bit at a oh, time really? because I just found okay. it too much. She was such an oppressive character. Louise, the nanny. A, yeah, the nanny. Yes. I, you just knew on it was it was that it was that kind of contrast between on the surface who she was yes. and what was and the going surface on is presented very particularly her clothes yes everything are very particular and even in her own living space yes. you know she's this kind of I mean she's you get to see her backstory too and what kind of created her but yeah it's very chilling the whole thing I, I can't say necessarily that I enjoyed it but I do appreciate it as mm. a, as a work but uh, Neve what did you think. Yeah, it's interesting that it's so short as well. Mm -hmm. I felt it was kind of like a slap in the face reading it. It gets over so quickly and it's so terrifying from beginning to end. Terrifying is a really and good word, actually. from the minute you meet Louise, I felt, oh, there's something. Did well, you? obviously, like, because she's just killed them. And <laughs> yeah. If you find that out in the first that page. That was a red flag for you. That was a red flag. <laughs> no, but then Not you kind of forget about that you, and now you're looking yeah, at her now you're looking at maybe something maybe else happened. Then I kind of thought maybe that was a dream sequence or something. Please don't ah, tell me yeah, they could yeah. give it away this early. Yeah. Um, but you know when she, the, the minute you meet her, she's in her apartment and she lives in this tiny studio mm. flat and she sleeps on her sofa couch and she keeps it immaculately mm. like psychotically clean mm. and she's scratching the dirt off the window and she scratches the dirt to the point that her nail breaks off and it, it feels painful and you think that's weird that you kept mm. going on that long until you hurt yourself um, <laughs> and there's there's those nuggets flickered throughout yes. the whole book of her her kind of obsessiveness and um, psychotic her violence yeah. she's a really violent character she in a, a really kind of right. subdued way um, and yet it's kind of 
it, it's put beside this motherly loving character who then gets completely obsessed with these children to the point that she wants Miriam to have. And this is the turning point in the book is that she um, she's getting bored with the kids that are there and wants Miriam to have another baby so that this solidifies their relationship so that she becomes even further indispensable to them, which she already is. Very quickly she becomes completely intertwined with the family to the point that she's completely indispensable to them, that they can't live without her. At least they think they can't live without her. Um... And, and they so, go on holiday together. That was kind and of... And that was so weird. Do you remember when she couldn't swim? Mm. And this is the first time, I think, that the parents realise how quickly violent she can be to the children um, in that the little girl, Mila, pulls her hand and wants her to go swimming with her and she pushes her down into the sand and tells her to stop annoying her in front of the parents. And she later reveals that that's because she can't swim and she was terrified. And the the parents are horrified. And then this is this awful. So we we're, we don't like Louise because she's pushed pushed the child to the floor. But then the father reacts really badly and scolds her. Um, and the the father kind of narrates this part, Paul, and he's saying how he's so disgusted that she's brought her poor ways with her, and that you know that it it's been shown like this out front, and he feels uncomfortable um, being juxtaposed to somebody who can't swim and who's um, below him. Um, and then, of course, he teaches her, he insists on teaching her to swim and buys her child's armbands. Like, it's a really, really um, strange power balance the between balance, them. power balance, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, you see it, it speaks a lot holidays, to yeah. um, these nannies. And it, 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 I mean, this is real life as and well. Especially when we see them all in the park and they all meet each other. Yeah, they're like this little community, this little... Um, I tell they're you, all you speaking their own reading languages. this book and interviewing for nannies at the same Absolutely time would be not. a really bad idea which our producer is doing at the I, moment I think what it does is presses a lot of your buttons oh because my God. for me I, 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 my years of finding nannies are over <laughs> um, but you do remember that thing oh God just get anyone yeah. you know there is that moment you think I, if I could any, anybody I half decent anybody that's half reliable and you're willing you to come. overlook a load of oh, things you overlook because, so many things you know, because nobody's perfect no, in any way they'll be grand and be, yes I have to have, have someone to. and you try not to think they'll be in my house all yeah. day with my tiny children so you you know you, you make all these these you know pacts with yourself yes. And this lays them bare. I know. This book lays them bare. I'm curious about me not way. having children because obviously we mm. both I sort of have been through that a bit. Um, Bernice is a bit further along than I am, but you haven't, and yet obviously you still yeah. were very engrossed in it. You didn't. You don't because have to. Because now be... I'm like I don't want to ever have any. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good contraception. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, honest to God, I sat back last night and I said, "We are never." <laughs> Having children. No, you didn't say that. You said, if we do, I'll stay at home. You'll stay at home. If we do, you'll stay at home. Yeah, that's more like. Well, that's the discussion you'll have to have. But basically, you're not having a nanny, I think, is your thing. Not that you're not having children. But whoever, it really explored that fear of a mother as well and that you wanting to work. And she's a young person. Of course, she's bored looking after kids all day. She's really intelligent and bright and good at what she does. And she wants to go back to work, and that's admirable. And yet, she's kind of admonished by so many people for that like Paul's parents mm. think she's a lesser woman for wanting to go back to work she feels mm. guilty completely like that it, I, I thought it explored that mother's guilt really mm. well and it's like it's a culmination of all of your worst nightmares mm. all on a page everything and she feared she starts the book by saying she has this what she feels is a completely irrational fear of the children dying someday of her looking at yes. Adam in a cot and saying she can't <laughs> see his chest moving up and down anymore yeah. and it's so horrible to see that Bit brought to life or mm. death. 
Bernice, do you think it's part of a wave in a way that we've been seeing in recent years? I mean, I'm thinking of Paula Hawkins, you know, Girl on the Train. Mm. I'm thinking of Gone Girl. I'm thinking of books like that that are both thrillers and also have characters at their heart that are not necessarily the, the most likeable yes. women. And it's it's part, seems to me, part of this thing, that it, which is really great in fiction, that, you know, the idea of the way women are written about sometimes is, you know, they're either martyrs or they're, you know, saints or they're, mm. you know, these kind of people. There's a much more complex layered mm. sort of uh, definitely. female characters in, in this book. Oh, definitely. Uh, and you don't like, it's not like you suddenly love Miriam. Mm. The mother. And, and yeah. it's the mother. And in a sense, you nearly should love her all the way through because... Yeah, I didn't really like her. But you, you know, <laughs> but you find out what happened to her on, in the, the first couple of pages that her children I know, isn't murdered. it funny how you... Why do you, you not know, love her? But why? you don't. Well, that's how I think mm. the skill... Which is so clever. She's very clever, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's, now, this writer, I have never come across her before, but she's enormous in France. Uh, Is she? Yes, yeah, Slimani, and she won okay. that huge literary prize. Um, and I suppose that was another reason to read it, maybe. Um, I was thinking, God, I never read books in translation. And then, of course, wait a minute, I read thrillers all the time, mm. so I should basically be speaking Swedish at this point. You know what I mean? Mm. Because you read so many. But uh, this translation French, and there was no sense of it being translated. No. No. What do you think, Niamh? You... I thought the translation was really well done. Um, and there was still flecks of French culture in there. Mm. I thought... Um, like there's mention of the suburb Saint-Denis, which I thought was interesting because I don't know Paris or France that well, but I remember hearing it mm. on the headlines when um, the terror attack happened and that's where they were from. Is these, mm-hmm. the, And that's the first, maybe the first time a lot of us heard about these suburbs in France that yeah. were full of these forgotten suburbs, these forgotten yeah. suburbs with disenchanted mm. um, people living in them. Um, and so I thought that like France is, is a mixed pot and... Paris especially and she explores that really well and it's not lost on us as people who aren't from France either or Paris mm, yeah. um, like you very much get a sense like what was really interesting and again it's interesting that she made Louise the nanny to be the white mm. woman and uh, Miriam was the Moroccan woman when Miriam went into the nanny agency to try and find a nanny and the woman working behind reception treated her really brusquely and was just assumed that she was applying for a job as a nanny because she was uh, yes. Moroccan. And Muslim as well. And That's Muslim. That's right. Yes. That was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, without, I suppose, the spoilers at the beginning, we know yes. that, the, that there's been these horrific or horrific murder. Uh, and I think, we, I wonder... Without spoiling, mm-hmm. I mean, what's, what do you think of the ending? What do you feel how, how the story went? Well, or was it one of those books that kind of it just has everything as it goes along? It's you not, see, like, it's I not think so it much. A, a, yeah, because you know, a spoil the massive spoiler at yeah. the start doesn't spoil the book because the right. book is all about exploring these characters, what drives the way people. they're living, yeah. how they've come to live that way, why they live that way, and who they are. So it's a very character-driven book. Mm. So while the plot, obviously, you know, the the the, 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 the dead children, ha- it's not that mm. that. The book is about the characters and the characters are so well drawn that they really live in your head. Mm. So who would you recommend it to? Is there, is there some friends of yours that you would know would just not like this and would hate to I read it? I wouldn't give it to women with small children. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, it would terrify me. Terrify yeah. me. You, yeah, I mean, I think maybe maybe because mine are nine now yes. and yours are a bit, yes. grow, a bit more yes. grown up. Or yeah. like, I found it a bit too close to the... Yeah. I found it close because even... Yeah. Uh, even you just can remember back. Because yeah. I can remember, I can remember all the... Well, one interesting point uh, that we picked up is that Slimani, in fact, talking about not giving it to people with young children, she was actually pregnant when she wrote it and in the process of 
looking for a nanny when she wrote it. So uh, maybe she just she obviously just went to some very dark places mm. when she was well, doing that. But also last month, that nanny in New York was found guilty of doing the exact same thing. She killed the two children in her charge. Now, mm. clearly that that's a massively, massively, massively unusual thing to happen. But it's kind of extraordinary that it, that 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 case then mirrors this. It's kind of interesting that she did write at that point because she was clearly very well. She must have been have the same fears that Miriam had at the start of the book of mm. you know who's going to look after my little kids and that. I think it's a real realization of all of the very very worst worst fears you can have as a mother going back to work. Um, and I think it should be read that way as well as yeah. this kind of hyper horror. Yes. Where that's not actually like real that. life, hyper but it's, like it's yeah. your worst fears on a page. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting. So maybe in that case, you should, maybe it is okay <laughs> to read. It's not yeah, going to happen, no, I promise. It's not going to happen to you. But it's also, I think it's worth reading just for the little details and the little, um, the domestic relationship, the husband-wife thing, the kind of mm. friction between that when one person gets to go off and live their life mm. and come back and have their dinner served to them and the other person who's equally as talented, if not more, is somehow having to push all of that down inside them and the resentment that builds out and the contrast between the two the couple's careers he is in this music business he's becoming a music producer he's starting to take off very glamorous fabulous she's a lawyer and she's and she's we're constantly she's really diligent she works hours of paper you know Mm. she's hers isn't glamorous but so so we're presented with that too and she's kind of starting to resent him she wants to go back to work, but now she's kind of resenting the fact that he seems to be having this great old time, mm. you know, working 24 hours a day, but it's fun while she's slogging now. It's interesting that they worked it out, though, because there's a point at which she's going for a drink with her old classmate. Mm. And you're kind of thinking, oh, here well, we go. Really it's going to be an affair. Yeah, and then right. it's going to be cat and then the kids will be dead and everything. <laughs> and, uh, Instead, it doesn't, and they yeah. work out really Things well. Do Things up. do pick and up, and even their sex life and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. and I think Paul is kind of aware of that, and I think it's a much more modern tale in that sense. And that yes. this is not a father who is happy to leave her no. at home and no. depressed, and that he doesn't see that as her role. No, um, and I but it's the way it worked out, mm. and then they tried to fix it. They tried to they, fix it, and the nanny was yeah. integral to all of that yeah. fixing, of course. And, and he, though. He's more. He wants to get rid of the nanny way before she does. He he breaks. He cracks before she does, mm. because I suppose, and you can understand her. It's pragmatic for yeah. her. It's if a, she goes, am I back to the? Am I back to yeah. square one of, of, to try to figure it, it out again? Mm. And will nanny number two be any better? You know, so you get that feeling as well. That sort of feeling of entrapment, of settling, of making mm. do for yeah. situations. You know, because there were a lot of flags. I thought a long way, like all the way yeah. through. I kind of thought, oh, would you not cop on? Do you not see that that's really weird that she's <laughs> doing that? Like, there's so many points when they're coming home from that day trip. I think it's a couple of days before the murders happen, and they see her walking on the streets. Yes. And Miriam just puts it to the back of her head and tucks it away as if she didn't see it because it's a pragmatic decision, to, like yeah. you said, yes. to have her around. And it, she can't see the fault in it or else it creates these mm. huge issues and yeah. it leaves her life gaping open if Louise wasn't there. Yeah. So okay, she so ignores so many flags, I thought. So you wouldn't give it to friends and small children? So you give it to your sort of non parents? I think are okay. Oh, yeah, we're a while age. off. Yeah. And what about you, Bernice? Like, is this something you'll be telling people yes, about? And because I think... Now, you, you know, this is the time of the year where people always say to you, oh, God, what for summer, any, yeah, summer that's true. I mean, like you can, it's a good beach. one by the pool. I think it's it? a great one yeah. by the pool. Um, a friend uh, who is in another book club, a, re- a, a non-recorded book club. <laughs> um, I forget ours is recorded they when I have start a, They have a system 
whereby, and I hadn't heard of this actually, um, whereby the person, they, they, they put genres in a pot ah. and then each month somebody has to pick the genre out of the pot and then they have to choose books in on that. that. So she got Thriller and she can't, she wouldn't read the Thriller for a million pounds. She just can't stand the job. Absolutely. So she, I, I love Thriller. <laughs> so she asked me what to read and I said, well, why don't you read Lullaby? And I felt a bit you know, iffy about that because actually you, should she be reading Scandi Noir? Should she be reading some of that? But actually, but I think But if it's not this, her bag, this is... But this so, yeah. is, a th- I feel that this is a thriller yeah. because it mm. has all those... It does. It's creepy. It's creepy. And it leaves you unsettled and, at the end. And it's so well written. You really do feel you've got this kind of... Um, there's a voyeuristic feel to it. I don't know why I'm saying that, but you know, almost like you've got the CCTV in their apartment and you're seeing all mm. this stuff unfold because it's so well written and the it's so vivid. You're seeing these things unfold, mm. especially with the nanny, with the kids, mm. and the, that's all always described in huge detail. Yes. How the nanny spends her time, and you're acutely aware yeah. that Miriam has no insight yeah. into that. It is like that. Then do you know the way some people do have these cameras, so that oh, the, yes, nanny the nanny cams. cams. It's like that's yeah. on. We're able to see it, but you know Miriam's not able to see it, so she comes back in, and we know all this yeah. stuff. Yes, and I think that adds to the sense of the tension and the, the thriller really aspect. Really tense. Um, so, would you read another one of hers, Neve? Do you think? Oh, definitely. She's so, an excellent writer. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I thought it was. Thrillers are normally about finding out the ending, or the ones mm. I have, anyways. It's all leading up to this crescendo. Whereas we get that at the start here, and I thought that kind of gets it out of the way. You kind of <laughs> like, okay, now we can focus on the themes, which was like, I really thought it was about motherhood, about young motherhood mm-hmm. and and about the fears that comes with that. So I thought her exploration of all of that was really, really intense, mm-hmm. very intense and um, really well done. So definitely I'd read more of her stuff. Okay, well, thank you very much. And Eve, you're going to choose uh, the next book for us. Will you tell listeners what it is we're going to read? <laughs> uh, Country Girls, to okay. surprise you all, yeah, by Edna O'Brien. Brilliant, um, which uh, many of our listeners will have already read. But I think it's one of those books that everyone will be delighted to get back to. I read again, Country it's Girls short. a long, nice. long time ago, so yeah. I'd be thrilled to read it again. Yeah, and yeah. you haven't read it. Yet. I have, and you read are it. a country girl. Yeah, <laughs> so I this know. is why I'm dying to see what you've <laughs> Country girl, come to the big smoke. And of course, yeah. a book that was banned. You know, when, when yeah. you think about mm. Ireland back then, when that was written, and the fact that Edna O'Brien was almost exiled out of this country for writing. When you, well, we'll see. But I think that's what's going to be fascinating for for you, especially, and for mm. us again. So let's revisit try to it. when we read it, try to isolate. What could possibly have made them ban it? Yeah. Like, what is in it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's strange. And I think whatever happens in... Uh, this is being recorded before the referendum, so at this point we don't know what, but I think it'll be interesting in a post-referendum world as well to look back at the Ireland that maybe, you know, if there was a yes vote that we're mm. moving away from too. Okay. So uh, The Country Girls by Edna O'Brien. Lots of you will have it on your shelves. Um, just dust it down and then, if not, it's st- still in print. Oh, and in still, the library. In the library, the library completely. Yeah. And we'll look forward to discussing it and hopefully Anne Ingle will be back because it's definitely on audio it must be and I'd say it'd be quite nice to listen to actually as an audio book so Anne will be back and uh, we'll revisit uh, The Country Girls by Edna O'Brien but until then a big thumbs up for Lullaby by Leila Slimani and uh, thank you very much Bernice Harrison and Eve Towie Thank you That's all we have time for today. Thanks very much to our book clubbers, Bernice Harrison and Neve Towie. Just a reminder that the book is called Lullaby and it's written by Leela Slimani. Also, next time on our book club, Edna O'Brien's once banned novel, The Country Girls. And I'm glad to tell you that Anne Ingle will be back for that one because I think it's available on audio. Today's podcast was produced by myself, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.